I'm Marcelo Pico, uh, and with me, as always, for this is Marcus Irving. Yes, I'm going to cut yes. out that pause or extend it out, like I've done in past episodes. Uh, but no, Thank this you. is all this is all serious. Uh, we're continuing our look through. Um, essentially, it's become the films of Richard Kelly, but uh, we're leading up to our multi-part discussion multi-part episode discussion on uh, Southland Tales. Um, and on the way to that, on the road to Southland Tales, much like the road to WrestleMania, uh, Donnie Darko is the Royal Rumble here. Uh, it's setting it up, right, mm-hmm. for Southland yep. Tales. Yes, I'm, I'm putting, connect- it, putting this into language I understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm connecting this to our past series, Marking the Marks, which uh, episodes are still out there. Go back and listen to all those. Uh, to fully understand what we're doing here, because I think we 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 hit tiny clues in there. Uh, we always knew we were going to do a Southland Tales podcast, and uh, go back and listen to those fifteen episodes of Marking the Marks to <laughs> find the clues. Much like Richard yep. Kelly drops clues in uh, through uh, his films, right? You gotta you sure. gotta you gotta yeah. figure it out on your own, or have the writer director explain it to you on the commentary, which I just listened to this morning. That's um, right. All right, where do we start? So to recap, I, I did a lot of recapping there, but to recap what we're doing now for this episode, I think uh, it was towards the end of the commentary for Donnie Darko last time when on mic I said, hey, we should do something for the director's cut, right? We didn't have a plan for coming back to do the director's cut or something like that. We weren't sure what we, what we were going to do. What do, you, what do you remember from that conversation, Marcus? Uh, I think I think I was trying to talk you into doing a commentary, and you didn't want to do another commentary because we'd already done one, which is understandable. So I think we ended up just coming to the conclusion that we're going to do just uh, uh, another overview, ep- another episode that's basically just an, uh, a wrap-up of all the other stuff about Donnie Darko. Like, la- last episode was like a general discussion of the film. This one's going to be... We're going to talk about a lot of other stuff surrounding the film. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. what, Marcelo? Well, first off, I want to make the the prime focus of this the director's cut. What's in the director's cuts? Mm-hmm. What Richard Kelly himself thinks of the director's cut? Um, how it changes our it. It was what it was interesting watching the director's cut this morning, and remembering back what we were uh, discussing in the commentary for the theatrical cut. Um, I think. A lot of the theories I put out there on that recording came from watching the director's cut like years ago, and I know, yeah, yeah, which which I we'll know. we'll talk about in depth, right? So that's the main focus, and I know you went down a rabbit hole and watched. How much did you watch? Like all the bonus features, all the commentaries. <laughs> yes, so I I ended up watching. The director's cut plus the director's cut commentary plus both the commentaries for the regular thing plus this extra <laughs> documentary about Donnie Darko. I, I have I have wa- I have spent a lot of my free time in the last week watching Donnie Darko. And well, uh, so I will decide later if that was worth it or not. <laughs> I guess. I think I think what we'll do is we'll dive into the director's cut. Co- the sorry, the director's cut, right? And then um, as we progress. You'll add on as much as you want, Marcus. Like as many notes as you yes. have, you're gonna you're gonna put those into the conversation as we go. And then at the end, we'll just do like a roundup of like what else we learned or what else you learned from watching all of that. Don't worry, it'll yeah. be worth it. It'll be worth- because okay, um, 
let's let's talk about the backstory of this, Marcus, because I think that's important. Um, uh, just to just to show people, we've had to struggle uh, to make this work, right? Talk about yeah. you buying Donnie Darko on oh iTunes. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I don't remember what day it was, but it was sometime like a couple weeks ago. I was trying to find out how to buy this director's cut because I knew or how to watch it. Um, I knew I owned it on Blu-ray. I ended up searching my whole house. I have no damn idea where it is. I, I know I can see the, uh, the slip cover. I know where the slip cover is, but I don't know where the actual case or disc are. So you could um, call that like an artifact that might have gone through a wormhole. <laughs> that's, and the Marcus, guess, yes. the Marcus of like 15 years ago has it in his hand right now. That's true. That's very true. Um, so I have no idea where this Blu-ray is, so I couldn't watch it that way. And then I started doing research. Uh, this was like a four-hour process, probably. <laughs> um, probably more. <laughs> I I started doing research on who online has it. And every time I looked up a location, like, oh, Amazon has it. And I go to Amazon, and it uh, is not available for purchase. They just have, like, a thing in their directory that shows it, that it exists. And the same thing applied to many other storefronts, like Voodoo and uh, whatever else. And then I... But the very first place I checked was iTunes, because, Marcelo, you had told me that it was on iTunes. Yes, yes. And I went to iTunes to look, and I didn't see it. Uh, I read the whole description. It didn't say anything about getting the director's cut. And we'll get back to that. So I moved on and I checked Amazon and Voodoo and whatever. And uh, I even checked, uh, I looked at uh, like streaming sites that might have it. And the most prompt, I, I ended up downloading like 2B TV and made an account for that that I've never had before. Um, I uh, made an account, <laughs> the one that looked the most promising to me was Canopy. I checked Canopy. Um, and they said something like in the description of it that said like uh, whatever supplementary materials for Donnie Darko include the Donnie Darko director's cut. So I was like, okay, well they must have it then. And so I, uh, <laughs> I tried to make a Canopy account. I found out <laughs> that my uh, library card was out of date or whatever, <laughs> so far out of date that they didn't even register me in their system anymore. So I called my library to get a new library card. Oh my god. And, I, I did not know any of this, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and, and so I got a new library card. I got into Canopy <laughs> and the director's cut is nowhere to be found anymore. Oh and I god. do so much searching. It's not there. And so I end up I'm getting very frustrated at this point. I'm thinking I'm not going to be able to do this at all. And then I go back and check Apple. And I had used Apple. The, the, the time I used Apple before to check was I looked at, like, I looked through the Apple TV app just on, like, my PlayStation or whatever. Right, right. And I read the description in there, I think. And it didn't show it there. It didn't show the director's cut there. But this time I looked on my phone. And then there was like a different text box somewhere that said, uh, oh, this also comes with this and this and this in the commentaries. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, oh, okay, okay. And then I bought it. And then, <laughs> and then, I and then that's it, right? TV you, you bought it, no, you watched no. it. Uh, no. That's the end of the story, no. right? That's the end of the story. <laughs> I wish. I wish it was. 
And so I, I bought it. I spent $13 on this. <laughs> this movie that I've already spent a lot of money on in the last couple of weeks. And I bought... I went to my PlayStation app to watch the app through Apple TV. And I cannot figure out where it is. Where where are my Donnie Darko extras on iTunes? Uh, and I go to our Discord and ask people. And I end up having a very long conversation with you and a few other people trying to be helpful. Yeah. Um, like Mike, Mike uh, thank you. Mike yes, Schindler, Mike, Matt Carrion, uh, everybody on there. Yes. But, uh, and yeah, so... When, when I first Basically brought it up, the just, conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to the to conclusion, I'll just add my part. Like, yeah, like I I remember telling you, oh, look, um, uh, the Apple version has the bonus features and includes the director's cut. And coming from somebody, me, who uses Apple all the time, I figured it'd be no problem to access the special features that anybody can access. If you have yeah. an iPhone or an Apple device, I have an Apple TV, and it's super easy for me to access those bonus features and extended cuts. But for you, Marcus, what happened? Yes. So you can't do it. You cannot access. I've come to the conclusion. You cannot access special features um, on the Apple TV app that unless you have an actual Apple TV, I think box or whatever. Right. Or, or I can access them on my laptop. That's another place. Yes. Yes, you can use you can do it on your laptop and you can also do it on your phone or iPad. Yes. So what I ended up having to do, I couldn't watch it on my TV like I wanted to. I had to watch it. I had to watch the director's cut um, on my iPad, which has like a terribly cracked screen. Like <laughs> <a couple> weeks ago, <laughs> uh, you broke it out of not, frustration not <laughs> from from trying to watch Donnie Darko, <laughs> and it's That's like right. uh, it's like that Christmas story where it's like, oh, I bought you. Uh, a hair clip, and I go, oh, I bought you a, a wristwatch. And I go, oh, no, I sold my hair, right? That's the story. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah, the Christmas story. <laughs> and I, so yeah, I, I, that's it. I, I went through a lot of bullshit to watch this, but I did end up watching it. Not in the way I would like to, but I did do it. And uh, and we should... So we that's should, where we are. Yeah, so that, I just wanted to have that out there just to, just, just to show, just to prove that we've, we've, uh, we've done the work already, even before having watched, rewatched the director's cut. Uh, well, I can't say much for myself. I mean, I had a hell, I had a, uh, oh, I can't even talk. I, I can't say much for myself because I had a horrible week and all I did was sit down yeah. and watch this, uh, this morning. Um, but, uh, I didn't, was not in the proper mind space to watch everything like Marcus did. Uh, but still, we've had our own struggles, and Marcus, uh, I'm sorry, because this is now the second time in which you're, you're paying for this movie, um, and uh, you could have saved that money and Third. waited for the 4K version to come out in a few months. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. When, when, uh, when <laughs> well, is your... We had to do this now, and I'm happy to do it now, Marcelo. <laughs> when, when is your birthday, Marcus? My birthday? It's in yeah. October. Okay. The end of October. Oh really? You're uh, not yeah. not not on Halloween, I presume. Not 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 quite. Just a few days shy. Okay, yeah. My my niece, uh, sorry, my nephew, his birthday's on Halloween. Um, I was. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> it's spooky. Uh, I was trying to see if I could get you for your birthday the 4K uh, Donnie Darko uh, release, but that's not gonna happen since your birthday's in October. So. No, sir. And no. I've already pre-ordered it and bought it, I think. So. Uh, okay. So we'll talk about it once no, again no when, when that release comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. 
we're doing the work now. <laughs> so thank you, Marcus. We're doing the work now. Uh, so we're going to be caught up because it's uh, late February. This is going to come out sometime uh, later on. But uh, good. We're, we're, we're getting this out of the way. Yeah. What is the one thing you learned, Marcus, the most interesting piece of knowledge that you learned from watching everything that you watched this past week? The most, the single most interesting piece of knowledge that I learned from watching uh, the commentaries, the the documentary, the director's cut, everything. None. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. You learned nothing. This is the bummer thing. Is I think ultimately this was not worth doing. <laughs> and <laughs> you mean you? <laughs> wait. But just just to make it clear. Watching everything you watched was not worth it, or this series is not worth doing? <laughs> no, this series is very worth doing. Okay. I think watching everything I watched for Donnie Darko specifically was not worth it. Because <laughs> you learned nothing. Like, yes, like uh, we can just go ahead and talk about the commentaries, I guess. Like, th- there's three different ones. There's two for the theatrical yeah. that were and on like, the original DVD. I, I, I did watch the director's cut with the uh, commentary by Kelly and Kevin Smith. That's what I did this morning. Okay. And okay. I well, I I'll say now it was well worth it cuz it answered a lot of my questions and answered questions sure. I had about the the movie that I brought up last episode. Um so that was a good choice, but I don't remember listening to the other commentaries with Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, what what was the other commentary on there? So Yes, there, there's the one commentary that's Richard Kelly and Jake Gyllenhaal and then there's a second commentary that uh, hold on here. There's Richard Kelly, Drew Barrymore, Beth Grant, oh. Jenna Malone, Mary McDonald, Holmes Osborne, Catherine Ross, James Duvall, and producers Sean McKittrick and Nancy Javonin. That's a lot of people. Um, that is a hell of a lot of people, and they are literally just in the same room watching the movie together on a mic. So it is whatever, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people. 11 people just talking over each other and laughing and like it, there's nothing of substance to that commentary. <laughs> oh, well, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's fun to hear like Drew Barrymore and fucking Holmes Osborne laughing, I guess. But like, uh, I got kind of tired of it quickly. I started like playing it on 1.5 times speed. Just to <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they really did not have much of substance to add. Also that, 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 that insanely stacked commentary, the most stacked commentary I've ever seen, was billed as Richard Kelly and cast and crew. <laughs> I, I, I think that's incredible. I think that's amazing. Um, I, like, at least put Drew Barrymore's name on there. Anyway, well, did 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 you uh, get any information about Drew Barrymore and like why why she ended up producing this? Like, was there anything? No, no. Okay, no. Here. Here's the most interesting thing that I learned from that commentary, I guess. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a mystery still, which is appropriate. Okay. Um, so Drew, uh, this was during the hypno hypno hypnosis scene. Okay. Yeah. The hy- uh, hypnosis where, scene. Yes. Yes. Where, uh, Drew, uh, Donnie Darko's, uh, therapist, Catherine Ross, she, uh, hip- hypnotizes Donnie. Um, Drew Barrymore said that she wanted to quit smoking, so she went in to get hypnotized. Right. And she said that it did not work to get her to stop smoking, but it worked to get her to stop doing uh, something that she does not do anymore. 
And she laughed and laughed and laughed, and so did everybody in the commentary <laughs> for multiple minutes about this fact. And I want so badly to know what, like, she never mentions what it is. She did- never mentions what she can't do anymore. She just talks around it. And there's no clues dropped, I can't tell. Did- but everybody seemed to know what she was talking about. So I really want to know what Drew Barrymore was hypnotized for. Did she say when she uh, did this hypnotizing session? I don't know. I uh, I don't think she did. No, but she it was she wanted to quit smoking, so it's probably I don't know. It probably wasn't that far away from. When my guess uh, is cocaine. That's that's my guess. Mm. Um, mm. She. Uh, I mean, I don't know the full history of Drew Barrymore. I know just bits and parts, but um, by the time she was on Letterman uh, on that infamous right. um, yes. uh, guest spot. Where she jumped on the desk and flashed her boobs in his face. Um, I think she was spiraling out of control with drugs and such. Mm. So my guess is cocaine was the drug that she uh, got off of. Um, which well, that's a little well, disappointing, I guess. Or what, what, <laughs> well, I mean, a bummer, a bummer. What did you think it was, Marcus? Nothing. I had no idea. I truly didn't even have a guess. I mean, I guess drugs make sense. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little naive. What? But- what else? What else could it be? What else could it be? <laughs> I don't know. What, what else did Drew Barrymore do? She. That's all I know of drugs. Heroin, maybe it's too extreme. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe smoking pot, but that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, my know. guess is cocaine. It's cocaine. It's got to be. You're probably right. They're probably yeah. right. That, that, there's no more mystery. Um, solved. Another mystery solved. There you so go. So where are we at here? The, the, the commentaries. commentaries. The, they're both whatever. I like. What, the, uh, what about the Gyllenhaal Richard Kelly commentary? The, the Gyllenhaal one, like, there's more substance there. Like, oh, you know what? From the last one, like that, I was also kind of impressed with Richard Kelly. Just like that was his first movie, and he was somehow able to <laughs> direct. Like, like uh, them all being in the same room together, like, really magnified the idea that like he was working with a ton of like really legendary great actors and stuff like i don't know it was it was impressive that he was able to rein it in when he did and he was like 25 um, when he directed this movie yeah right? yeah that's no, crazy yeah like, like if i were in that room i would not even attempt to speak a single time <laughs> he was trying to cut in to say stuff about the movie every now and then you would laugh when everybody else was laughing you'd have no idea what sure. Drew Barrymore yes. was talking about you'd go ah ha, ha, that's funny drew <laughs> that's so funny that's funny that's, yeah. funny that's so funny um the jake gyllenhaal one it was that's a little better because Don't <clears> kill uh, jake hall. and yeah yeah it was more focused the two of them could have more conversations about the thing and uh it was kind of fun to like uh, jake was whatever how old was he like 19 or 20 at the time yeah. and uh, uh there's a lot of joking around and uh, uh, so the the casting crew commentary and the jake Gyllenhaal commentary they're for the theatrical cut right they are both theatrical. do you know yes. do you know when uh, they recorded that was it right w- uh with um on the first DVD release or like later on? Cause I don't know. I think it was, I think it was the first DVD release. Okay, I think so, it was like before any of them like really knew how big the movie would be. Yeah. I was going to say, because it wasn't until the DVD release that it became as big of a hit as it ended up yeah. being, because I'm assuming maybe they make mention of it not being received well at Sundance. Maybe yeah, <clears throat> they kind of do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was just, just uh, setting up a time frame for that. Um, 
So you learn nothing of substance from the Hall commentary. Nothing. <laughs> some you 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 learn something about uh, Drew Barrymore's substance abuse in the second commentary, yeah. the casting group commentary. Yeah. Why don't we jump to the thing we both listened to, uh, the director's cut commentary with Kevin Smith, with Richard Kelly and Kevin okay. Smith. Okay. Yeah. And this will take us into so. the director's cut itself because I want to get into that. All right. Um, what did you learn from the Kevin Smith commentary, Marcus? <laughs> Uh, that Kevin Smith was a lot more abrasive than I uh, thought that he was at that time <laughs> when I was a super big fan of him, I guess. That it's, Kevin you know, Smith, uh, it's funny. Uh, uh, I think I mentioned this in the last episode. Like, I like Kevin Smith, but I don't like when Kevin Smith yeah. is like pure, unadulterated Kevin Smith. And yeah, I, for whatever reason, in this commentary, I found him not as abrasive as I usually think he is. I thought he was a bit more reserved until the end. Right. Until the end, when he brings up, uh, if he asks Kelly straightforward, like, "Did you go out with anybody on set? Like, did you have sex with Jenna Malone or something like that?" So I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. the, that, that's the Kevin Smith I know." Yeah, um, how many chicks does yeah. this movie get you? And exactly, yeah, talked about his daughter in weird ways. I think, yeah. And, uh, homophobic jokes like literally right off the bat that was the first thing he did exactly something yeah, yeah that's impressive but I, I don't know i i am a fan of the guy i i like his movies <laughs> despite I all that listen to his <laughs> i listened to his podcast for many years um certainly he has gotten better in the last couple years i think like he's he's become less of that type he's still an annoying person still comes through every now and then he's still kind of an asshole but I don't know. I still like him. And like, I mean, despite all my faults with it, like it was a fun pod, uh, commentary to listen to. I mean, it's essentially a podcast, right? I, I used to audio commentaries like, are, kid, are, are um, uh, uh, commentaries. No, wait, what am I saying? Audio podcasts. commentaries are podcasts before podcasts are podcasts. So I think, I think, I think we can all agree like, on that. As a kid, they were my favorite thing to listen to. And then I discovered podcasts <laughs> and I was like, like now I listen to podcasts 24 seven. Now I, um, I, I, I'm going to say <clears throat> I liked the parts where Kevin Smith just let Richard Kelly talk, even though, okay. So they're back and forth boils down to this on the commentary. Richard Kelly says something like informative and like talks about like leaving clues behind and like the, yeah. the real, like, uh, uh, his thought process to doing what he did in the movie, right? He goes, okay, these characters are doing this because of this. And then Kevin Smith, each and every time Kelly does this, Kevin Smith comes yeah. in and goes, oh, I didn't get that at all. Like, uh, that's that's a lot of work to put in yeah. a movie. You're <laughs> too like, smart for me. You're too smart for me, yeah. yeah. But always, almost always, you know, uh, um, screwing towards condescension, which yeah. uh, is appropriate because Kevin Smith, um, to, to nobody's surprise, he leaves nothing on the table. And he's very much straightforward in his filmmaking and his yeah. uh, question and answer. Uh, his moderator mode. So, yeah. I, I, I like that. I liked uh, Richard Kelly's like stated uh, like mission statement about the director's cut uh, that he says a few times like that he doesn't consider it. Who knows if this is actually true or not. But when he, he's, he mentions that he doesn't... Uh, he does not consider it like the definitive version of the movie or anything. Right. Just like he got this opportunity. And so he wanted to go all out with it. And he wanted to, uh, he made it 30 minutes longer and adds in every little thing that they shot 
uh, that they couldn't get in and it's, <clears throat> and he kind of does something interesting, which is like, he really does lay out his entire interpretation of the movie through the director's cut. Like there, there's a lot less mystery left behind after you've seen the director's cut. And uh, he, he does like, he recognizes that. And he says, uh, you know, that he doesn't want this to take away from the theatrical cut and that he thinks that that cut, even though he didn't have 100% control over it, he still says that like that cut is just as valuable to him, which I, I, I liked that. Yeah. I don't know. This wasn't born out of a, a grudge or anything. Like I, I like that. His, uh, his, um, when he talks about that, he says like he wasn't, the movie wasn't taken away from him, the theatrical cut. Although, like, he was pressured to take stuff out and, like, he had yeah. to uh, cut it down to a specific length or maybe cut out certain scenes. But he oversaw that editing, you know, even though he wasn't 100% mm-hmm. behind it. But I, I guess I'll say it now. Like, I prefer the theatrical cut because it does leave some things ambiguous and I do appreciate that. And the whole discussion yeah. we had during, during the commentary of, like, what everything was supposed to mean, like, that whole thing was more interesting to me than what he has here the director's cut which is yeah like it's his he says it's like twice it's like his remix it's like an alternate you know cut it's not definitive yeah. it's just like adding more to the film um making it closer to his vision but not to dismiss the fact that the theatrical version is also his vision right and uh-huh. and yeah like i appreciate what he does to it but i still i said this in the last episode I'm not a. I wasn't a fan of it coming in, and I'm still not a huge fan of it coming out. Although I see right. where he's coming from, I, I see the need to add certain things. It's not definitive, but it's just an alternate version. I, I, since you said your thoughts about the director's cut overall, I shall say mine. I am kind of with you. I, I, I don't think it's like bad. I, I. I I, I do think like maybe watching it does take a little bit away from the theatrical cut experience because once you have that knowledge, you can't really undo it. But I do think that the theatrical cut just, I think it works a little better as a movie um, as like the director's cut as as good as many aspects of it are that we'll talk about later. I think um, I do think that like, it's it's too long it it's for for this story doesn't need to be two hours and 20 uh, 15 minutes or whatever and uh and yeah i don't know you you do learn too much um yeah um but i I still i still find some value in it again we'll talk about that more in detail um uh going back to that commentary commentary? because i wrote down a lot of um notes about the commentary with smith that i think is um uh, worth noting um, Richard Kelly brings up many times a uh, comic book the phrase comic book comic book references yes, yes even though God. he admits himself he's not a comic book fan and he does admit yes. he does admit in this commentary recorded by the way whenever they released this director's cut what, what year was that do you know offhand when they released this director's cut yeah, three two thousand four, which is like what, like three years after the fact, after the mm-hmm. re- the initial release. So that's in case you forgot, folks. Yeah, the, we talked about it in the last episode. Like the cult status of this was quick. Like as soon as it hit DVD, it hit cult status, and then like three years later or so, like Kelly got 
word like, oh, we're going to re-release this. Have any interest in doing a director's cut? And he did it. And I remember buying this DVD, the director's cut DVD with this commentary and all this like bonus features. And, and then I sold it a few years later um, because it wasn't a huge fan of the director's cut. Um, but what's, what's my point? Um, oh, yeah. No, okay. So th- this commentary recorded like 2000, what, four or five. Uh, Richard Kelly says, well, I don't know much about Aquaman. I don't know his powers. <laughs> he d- he says that. Yeah. As, yeah, he's, yeah, he, yeah. He doesn't know much about comic book superheroes or comic books in general, as he admits. But he keeps saying these visuals on screen are like very comic book-esque. And he compares it to like Superman and how Denny Darko has like special powers. And I thought that was interesting, especially with Kevin Smith bringing sure. up crisis uh that dc uh earth one earth two bullshit right and i was surprised that kelly was like oh i didn't know anything about that about crisis and uh, alternate universes and um anyway i found that interesting that (laughs) kelly has like at least like this cursory knowledge of superheroes and he puts all this alternate universe stuff in but he has no idea about the actual mythos of, of yeah, which I, which I don't I, much I, either. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting thing. Like I, I, I don't know. That's, that's a more. Uh, uh, he seems to have like a more like normal person's like <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> Kelly, it, which is <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, and uh, which is good. But uh, I think I think one of the things I found most interesting was Kelly's like ultimate theory about the movie. I think which was the. Uh, I don't even think this came across. This never came across to me once in the years I've ever watched this, but like that the messengers or whatever, the people that are trying to get Donnie to do that. Oh yeah. Whatever he has to do that. They are like working through the entire town, not just Frank. Like they're, they aren't just channeling into, into Frank. They're subconsciously or they're like, they're like channeling into Drew Barrymore's character and the therapist and the parents and everybody else to like subconsciously make them do things that would lead Donnie Darko to doing what he ends up doing. Yeah. I, I think Let's, that idea uh-huh. is so, I think that idea is so bizarre and like the, and it's very funny to me just like, from far away that like this movie is about an entire <laughs> town trying to convince a teenager to kill him. <laughs> That's now, so funny. Something I wish I should have done is watch this by itself and then listen to the commentary because that thought did not cross my mind. I may, have, I, I, I obviously did forget about that because I did hear this commentary years ago, but that fact, I'm like, wait, what? I was, I'm like, yes. I'm like, you like, how does that work? I, I don't think that did, – did you watch this before listening to the commentary? Because did that I'm, – I'm assuming that thought never crossed your mind, right? It, it's never, no, never obvious, right? It never right? did. It but, never did. I, no. uh, but it's – he says it and I watch a scene where Drew Barrymore talks about the cellar door and he goes through the cellar door and I guess that makes sense. But it's yeah. – it's, you never – I can't imagine a normal human – would interpret that as oh she's telling him to go kill himself right i think we're on the same page like it's it's a it's a stretch it's a stretch yes i think it is yeah but i appreciate though kelly having that mindset of like oh this whole like you say this whole town has this like they're all being 
Oh, and this gets this this gets us into um, my main problem with his vision and why I don't need to hear it <laughs> is it gets into <laughs> like the force behind this whole thing because um, he talks about that in the commentary. Like he adds the eyeball in there in the director's cut. Um, yeah, I, yeah, and it's supposed to signify the- like somebody from the future, right? Like somebody. With the power of time travel to... Imprinting on Donnie and through his eye. Yeah. Like this. And then, like, that whole final sequence of, like, this eye looking at time going backwards is, like, supposed to signify, like, the sci-fi element of a future being being able to, to, like, cut through time and save the universe from collapsing on itself. Yeah, I... (laughs) I, 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 I would have rather have thought... That it was like some sort of like unknown, like maybe religious, maybe like supernatural thing, some unknowable force that caused this wormhole to cut through the, the you know, through time. But to Kelly, like, what is it? It's just somebody from the future harnessing this power and saving the universe, right? Am I getting mm-hmm. am I getting close to what what this is according to Kelly? No, yeah, yeah. That, that's 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 pretty much exactly what he says. It's it's whatever that's whatever force uh, from the alternate universe trying to reach the specific kid, and they <laughs> do it by imp- imprinting images into his eye that lead him to certain areas, I guess. And they also do it by yeah, taking over Drew Barrymore and <laughs> having the right cellar door on the thing and having so- Patrick Swayze's character show up to this to the pageant or whatever. What the, does the lady in the audience that wait? Know. Okay. We're, we're getting into the, you're getting into the weeds here, which is good. Yes. We are. So you're yeah. telling me that Beth Grant is also in, in, in on this, right? What does she do to help push Dunny Darko to kill himself? Uh, oh, Beth Grant, I'm not hundred percent sure, but like the, it's more the, the, there's this woman in the audience of the sparkle motion dance that, She's only on screen for like a shot, and then she like she's referred to as the mystery woman by everybody on the commentaries. Oh, okay. And basically, she is the person that um decides that Sparkle Motion should go to California or oh, wherever yeah. they go to. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, she makes notes yes. and everything, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, and so I mean, she is very deliberate and, and, uh, and then they get Donnie to burn down the place and that causes Patrick Swayze to not be able to go. So his parents have to go. Remember it's very, it's very messy. Even with the director's cut laying it out, it's still pretty messy. still remember when we were, uh, discussing the fact that, and, and this clears it up too, uh, how Kelly describes it. Because how Kayla describes it is, and also, folks, I'm not high right now. I'm I'm a very sober person uh, as of, as of this recording, so I may sound crazy right now. But it's Richard Kelly. I'm paraphrasing Richard Kelly. So in Richard Kelly's mind, the way he describes it is that there, and I'm going to use Kevin Smith's comic book um, language here. There's Earth One and Earth Two, right? Earth One is the main Earth. Um, Earth Two is the alternate. Uh, dimension that happens uh, through the course of this movie. We see most most of what's happening in Earth 2. There's just two, okay? In order to get back to Earth 1, 
an event needs to happen where this artifact, this plane engine, that according to Kelly, there's no straight answer from him. It comes out of nowhere. Like I, I, I think that's not resolved in any way. Like, after watching the the director's cut and listening to to Kelly, maybe you know the answer to this, Marcus, but he doesn't really say where it's from. <laughs> that 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 engine. Um, that engine has to fall on Donnie Darko in order to prevent the universe from imploding on itself because these two dimensions should not exist. So in order to get everything back on track, that engine has to kill Darko in Earth 1, thus, you know, extinguishing Earth 2. So we were arguing, not arguing, we were having a heated discussion last time about how, well, what's going to happen now that in Earth 1, like, our is is uh is Donnie's mom gonna go on that jet engine? Like, is um what's his name Patrick um, Swayze gonna get on that uh, on that plane going to L.A. or wherever they're going? It's like it doesn't explain away everything in Earth One, and also like Patrick Swayze's still a pedophile and like not in jail at the end of Earth, uh, the movie, right? I'm still confused by because <laughs> like that that mystery woman, right? I'm guessing she gave Spark Emotion a perfect grade. In order to send them on that plane, in order for that engine to fall through the air and kill Donnie Darko. That's her only thing. Yeah. So now in this Earth 1, this new Earth 1, that's not going to happen. Because she is no longer uh, being uh, pressured by this ghostly sci-fi future force to give them perfect grade and to send them to Hollywood. Right? So who? my, my question to you after all that, Marcus, is... Who wins the talent competition in the new Earth one? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the sparkle motion, definitely not. Right. Um, let's just say that. Well, uh, well, hold on. Because sparkle motion definitely doesn't because sparkle motion probably doesn't exist anymore because, and this is something I didn't know about. I, 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 I never made this connection myself. You, you did though. You did when we first watched when we did the commentary. You oh yes, it's gave this, me yeah. the idea yeah. that when that at the end of the film, when everybody wakes up crying or whatever, Patrick Swayze he's sobbing in his bed. Everybody's waking up and they're kind of having they kind of have looks on their faces. And you, you brought up the idea that it meant that they. Um, that they uh, somehow knew where they had some remnants of what happened left in them. And and that that's further uh, stated by Richard Kelly in these commentaries is that like everybody's waking up and basically the film that we just watched was like a, that was like a shared dream that all the characters in the story were having. So Beth Grant now knows... Um, Patrick Swayze's uh, 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 d- uh, dealings, <laughs> dealings in quotes, uh, and Pat and Patrick Swayze uh, now can see like what will happen to him if he keeps doing this stuff, and and uh, and probably the parents saw this stuff too. So are they going to really let little S Darko go off and keep <laughs> palling around with those freaks? Probably I should, not. I should also mention so, quickly that uh, Kelly on one of the commentaries, well, the one I listened to with Smith, he's like, he said, I'm never going to make a sequel. There should never be a sequel to this. Never, never, never. That's what he said. Yes, um, he did. So I, now I want to see S. Darko even more, knowing that it's not his vision at all. 
No. <laughs> and and like he's very adamantly against doing exactly what happened to make that movie, which is like <laughs> just let somebody else do it and he has no involvement. Um Yeah, but that Whoa, wait, wait, wait uh, were you finished? I cut you off. Was that it? Uh, I think so. The, the, like, yeah. So everybody wakes up and they have some knowledge. So, so who who wins the talent show? Yeah, in in the um, new Earth one, in the uh, in the one we don't see. Um, let's say Seth Rogen's character off screen. <laughs> he's studying magic and he does like great magic act. There you go. So so How about that, Ricky Danforth, uh, his character, <laughs> Seth Rogen as Ricky Danforth. He wins the uh, talent yes. competition. Okay, right. cool. Um, now you brought that up. Wait, did, did I say this at the beginning of this episode or off mic? Like, yeah, I think I'll say it again. Regardless, when they were when, at the end of the theatrical cut, when they wake up, and if you don't, if you want to be reminded of this whole thing, go back and listen to the commentary, and you'll hear me uh, describe what I'm what what my interpretation of it was. Like, yes, they wake up. They they in their mind they know what had happened or fragments of it. Like, um, you know, like deja vu. It's like they 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 know. It all happened, but they can't really put it into words. Now, having not seen the director's cut or listened to the commentary for years, I think what happened was I, I took that fact, Kelly saying it years ago, Yeah, his interpretation of it, I think stuck with me. And subconsciously, like that was my headcanon. That, that, that's, what, yeah. that, that's what my interpretation of the ending was. I don't know if I would have maybe I would have gotten there on my own and maybe I did maybe it wasn't subconscious at all maybe I just honestly forgot that and watching it anew like a few like two years ago I kind of like thought came to that conclusion on my own regardless like I'm not gonna take credit for it because maybe it was a subconscious thing where I heard him say and I was like okay yeah fine that I'll take that but I did forget about the sci-fi element like this whole future nonsense like I forgot about that uh, with the director's cuts, I remembered the chapters, but I didn't remember what they said. Um, yeah. Why don't we talk about the chapters? Because that's an important thing in the director's okay. cuts. Um, what uh, what did you make of those chapters, Marcus? Um, I think that they're uh, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I I don't think they add anything to it. Like uh, in the commentary, Richard Kelly says that basically what they were was. Like they they were like hidden away on the the official Donnie Darko website that you could go visit yeah. uh, before the film came out to hype it up, and like they had these whatever like uh, cryptic uh, mess cryptic like uh, writings from Roberto Sparrow's book. Uh, they're like uh, water and metal are the most uh, important aspects of time travel and of course we whatever know this. else they say I, I can't really remember any of them but <clears throat> i i think they kind of they're one of the the things like the director's cut does add in stuff but they're they're that are that i think are valuable but uh, the, they these aren't one of them i think they're kind of like a weird i don't know they they break up the flow of the movie to me they don't they don't appear until like an hour plus in like they don't yeah. start at the very beginning like it's it doesn't start until donnie starts learning about time travel which i guess makes sense but i don't know i i don't like them i'm guessing you don't either no um uh my my, my basic take on them is yes they tell me too much they're confusing to me like uh 
confusing in the not way, in a good way. They're not, not in a way that not, you don't no, want no, no. to. I like I said in the last episode, like I'd rather be confused by something where I can interpolate what what's happened on my own and like come up with my own answer to things. But if somebody comes in like Kelly and says, "Here's the answer," using phrases like the artifact and the uh, what oh, fuck it, what the 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 living dead or something like that that terminology, when you throw in terminology that's just like exposition on screen, that's when you lose me. That's yeah. when I'm like, "What? Yeah, okay, yeah." Because yeah, it, it, and- it, that I, I should I should I actually have a movie on the background. I should fast forward to those chapter titles, but. Yeah, that uh, going going to that point of Achilles saying this town is pushing Darko to this you know uh, end game. Yeah, that that phrase that's that's in one of the chapter uh, um, uh, descriptions or chapter uh, excerpts. They, they like that. That's what's that's 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 what it signifies. Like the that phrase, something dead, the 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 ever knowing dead. I'll look it up. But yeah, and as as a thing that's like 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 I said, they were originally on the website as like a, a secret thing that you could go find, and it would give you like a little bit more detail, like and like and you if you were reading that in totally separate from the movie, you'd be like, "What the hell is this? Like, this is kind of <laughs> cool." But I think inserting them into the movie gives them this greater importance than they have ultimately. Like, I, I it does not matter to me at all any of the specifics of how the time travel works. I, I don't care. And, and I think it would, it's a fun, it's a fun secret. It's a fun, like Easter egg if you can find it, but like giving them the importance of actually putting them in the movie, I think it, it, it hurts the movie and it hurts the, the writing of, of those things. Like it, they're not actually good enough or interesting enough to fit in this context. Here, I, I, I looked it up. It's from chapter seven, uh, the manipulated living, the manipulated <laughs> living, uh, yes. and and the phrase is the manipulated living will do anything to save themselves from oblivion. Now, on its own in the movie, without Kelly's commentary, I'm still like, what the fuck is that? Mean? <laughs> the manipulated <laughs> living, and then it's it's in that scene where. Um, Darko's playing video games uh, with Jenna Malone, and uh, it's that racing video game, and it foreshadows uh, the car crash or the car uh, incident. Right, that's uh, tragic at the end of the movie. Very clever, very clever. Uh, but it's not needed. The manipulated living. What the fuck does that mean? Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm trying to think of like another instance where, I guess, Cloverfield's one where there's like a, a whole universe outside of the movie that you could, you could, you could say it was fun to kind of track down the clues and get like some backstory of what's going on in Cloverfield, but it's not in the movie, which is a good thing. Cause if you put that yeah. in Cloverfield, well, where does it fit? Like, exactly. Like, well, you, you'd have to also do like stuff that happens in this director's cut where you just put like chapter stops and like uh, text yes. on the screen. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or you break up the, the, thrilling action of running away from what the hell is that monster to yeah. cut to other people that know what they're talking about and explain the monster to you. It, it, it doesn't, I mean, it, it just wouldn't work. And that's exactly what the, they do here. On, on one hand, like I don't hate that this exists. Like this isn't like some kind of like um, uh, Spielberg redoing ET and it being entirely blasphemous. Right. 
replacing walkie-talkies or replacing guns with walkie-talkies like that's insane um it's not to that level it's just it's okay that this exists but it uh, i can see why it exists because it's it does give you like those easter eggs like you're saying it gives you that like that experience of being obsessed with this so much that you go on the website you learn all this uh what's the word i'm thinking of um it's not it's like it's like fan service right which is insane to say because mm-hmm. like this director's cut was released like three years or so after the fact but this is made just for the fans this is the snyder cut before there's a snyder cut like that's what this is to me uh yeah very astute <laughs> um yeah, uh, do you, you want to keep talking about what the director's cut does, or do you think we're good? Uh, how much more? Okay, was there anything that was added in that you liked in this director's cut? Uh, uh, yes. So, um, there, there's like two, like a lot of the movie, like it's thirty minutes longer, but a lot of that is like, like if you pull up the uh, movie dash censorship page, uh, which I'm on right that, now, that gives you. Yeah, which does do a great breakdown. Most of it is like, oh, they added in th- an extra three seconds here, an extra six seconds here. This is a different take that happens to be 12 seconds longer. Um, like, most of the additional runtime, I think, does come from that stuff. And it's ultimately, like, kind of whatever changes. But there are, there's, like, two scenes in particular that I do think are very great. And I wish they would have been able to be in the theatrical in some way, like the the the, the and they both happen back to back pretty much. the 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 scene where Donnie is alone in the backyard with his dad. Oh yeah, uh, with Holmes Osborne, and they what do they talk about? They're talking about whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, they it's just like really good. Uh, relationship building between the two it's it's like the most like heartfelt like he tells them that the whole the like everybody everybody is a bullshitter but you're not a bullshitter donnie and it's like a really great moment between them and and then then the next scene after that or maybe there's one scene in between it i don't know it's the, the scene of uh donnie and the family saying goodbye to the mom and daughter as they yeah. are going off to the, to the airport. And, uh, Donnie says, uh, uh, that line that, uh, I think it's really great. Um, uh, that like my brain's not messed up or whatever. I, I'm sorry. I'm butchering it, but, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a very powerful scene between those two. And it's Mary McDonald. It might be her best acting in the movie and Holmes, Holmes Osborne as well. Yeah. And it sucks that those scenes had to get cut because I, I really do think that it, it strengthens those relationships in ways that are meaningful enough that I am surprised they did get cut from the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I agree yeah. with you there. Like those were good character moments. Um, yeah. I'll say I'll just piggyback on that by saying I yeah those would have been I I wouldn't mind seeing that in the director's cut um like what I'm conflicted about a moment when Patrick Swayze is doing his whole spiel and Donnie Darko's in the audience and like he sees it um, move forward in time like fast forward like he's watching it fast forward that presentation like. 
I'm conflicted because I think it's a cool concept. Yeah. In the director's cuts, but I don't know if I would like it in the in the in the theatrical cuts, if that makes sense. And sure. like it it there's no answer to that. I don't think in any of the texts in the director's cut, I don't think Kelly really talks about it. Oh, you know, he mentions like, and this doesn't make any sense. He mentions that, that fast forwarding of Donnie looking at something and like it fast forwarding in time for him. Like it's the, uh, it's the watcher. It's like the eye. It's like the force in the future controlling things. And like, why would it do that? Why would it like just, I, yeah. Um, I don't know. It can't to me, see me, but I was shaking my head while you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's silly. I find it interesting as like a moment in the movie, but I would have rather have like it be not explained to me. Like if you were to do that in the, in the theatrical cut and just have that weird moment of like it fast forwarding in time and then Donnie saying, oh, time's moving forward. It would have been cool on its own. But the fact that there's an explanation to it that there's like yeah i don't know i don't like that anyway i think it's a cool moment um, again but shut up richard kelly <laughs> my brain isn't broken that's what he says yeah my brain is broken. uh uh drew barrymore the there there's an extra scene with her in the classroom there were they're they're watching they're watching watership down for some oh, yeah. reason and i i don't know i can't i guess i've never seen that movie I, I haven't seen it either, because um, uh, I, I, I can't, um, I don't know what it, it, it means to the movie, because something I, I, either. something I did learn from the commentary about one of the references is, um, and this, is, this may be one of the most interesting things in it, I'm going to say, I asked you earlier what's the most interesting thing you learned, I'm going to say the most interesting thing I learned was um, the fact that The Last Temptation of Christ was uh, name-checked in the movie, like it's on the marquee. Of um, yeah, of uh, of that movie they go see Evil Dead. Uh, apparently, you can watch a double feature of Evil Dead and The Last Temptation of Christ, which is cool. But The Last Temptation <laughs> of Christ, um, he put it in there because it's it's alluding to the fact that in that movie, like the final twenty minutes is like an alternate um, uh, universe. I guess it's like a dream sequence in which Christ imagines himself as like a just a man and lives his life right much to like how in this movie uh you could say uh, darko is the christ figure who ultimately sacrifices himself and the entire movie we we watch is the earth 2 uh like dream sequence again dreams right and mm-hmm. yeah i found i found that connection interesting because i was like oh I don't know why you'd put the last temptation of Christ there. Just maybe just to be cool to go. It's last temptation of Christ. Why not? But no, there's some meaning yeah, to that, that. And I like, I guess I like that. that I like that connection of, uh, and it makes sense though. Cause it's Darko is basically a Christ figure, you know, it's in this movie. Yeah. Donnie, Donnie Darko is my Jesus. Yeah, of course. That's, um, that, that's what we've been saying all along. Folks. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I think, so I guess that's the like most stuff of substance that I had to say, but I mean everything else is like uh, like I, they they changed music choices like oh yeah the beginning the beginning of the movie where Donnie's riding on his bike that was originally choreographed to never tear us apart by in excess instead of the Killing Moon song and they moved the Killing Moon to later in the film uh, just playing in the background or something and they had like. I don't think this is in the original, but Voices Carry uh, by Till Tuesday is playing in 
Donnie's bedroom when he was uh when he calls his mom a bitch. Um, okay, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's a lot of small stuff like that. I, I do remember bringing this up in the commentary that um, in the director's cuts, the song is different. Oh, there's one last thing. Okay, yes, go on. No, I was, I was going to say, yeah, uh, I, that's one thing I don't like about this director's cut flat out is the opening song has changed because I'm so used to listening to that, the original opening song, which I can't pull right now. Maybe you know it, Marcus, in the, in the theatrical cut. But that song, opening the movie... In a the, the Killing cut. Moon by Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah, the Echo and the Bunnymen song. That one for, will forever, to me, be like connected to that moment in the movie. Yeah, the opening. But anyway, yeah. answer it and it, it worked. It, yeah. it worked very well, even though they had to change it or whatever. What was the last thing you wanted okay. to bring up? <clears throat> okay, so they. Okay, so when we talked about this in the in the commentary how it's weird what the therapist says to Donnie when Donnie is having like his little episode and uh, the therapist grabs him and says something like if the world didn't exist you it would just be you and your memories and like why the hell is she saying this well they add this very subtle thing like they add a very very subtle like distortion to her voice when she starts saying that which I guess kind of explains why she says it that way. But that's not the main thing I wanted to say. The main thing is also with the therapist that she eventually tells Donnie to just stop taking his pills because they've been placebos the whole time. Right. And I, I hate that idea. I think like I really, I really like, I, I never in a million years would have come to the conclusion that, Oh, Donnie's seeing all of this thing, these things because his psychiatric drugs are causing him to hallucinate. Like, I, I is that is that all that that is dispelling? I, I just really hate that idea. I don't know. Wait, so this is specifically in the director's cut, right? Or, or was yes, it also in the? They do not say this in the. Theatrical. Okay, they don't say it in the theatrical. No, that's something I caught, but I didn't really analyze. Um, so. So you're saying in the, in the theatrical cut, without that line, they just don't reveal that. They, they don't, reveal, don't reveal, that, reveal that. But so Donnie was taking regular medicine in that. So what you're saying is in the theatrical cut, they're implying that he's seeing this stuff through the drugs he's taking, or the, at least the psychiatrist. No, uh, no, I think that they are implying that, or the, the, that they are like dispelling that as a train of thought that one could have about the movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. And I, I just think that that idea is so ridiculous. Yeah. That I, I don't, I don't know why they did that. I, I don't think that that adds anything to the movie. No, okay, I think no, it yeah. It's kind of like a harmful, weird thing to say about psychiatry. I, I don't know. I just don't like it. No, yeah. It's why I even say it. No, I, I, I totally understand yeah. that now. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because uh, yeah, it was like nothing. It was like not even a thought really in the director's cut. Like I, I didn't even like realize. I, I knew he was taking right like medicine, but there's no thought of like, oh, is this uh, is this caused by his yeah, medicine? There weren't. And they there tell weren't, you definitively it's not. There, there weren't a thought you ever had. Like, yeah, there weren't characters in that like discuss like like is it because of his medicine? Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, again, another reason why the director's cut is not superior. Sorry, folks. Not, not my favorite. Not my favorite. I don't know. Uh, was there anything else you learned? You, you watched a lot of stuff, Marcus. Like, uh, what, what? I did. I mean, <laughs> uh, 
uh, both both James Duvall and uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal can do uh, fun uh, uh, Christopher Walken impressions. Uh, <laughs> All right, so this is oh essential. oh no <laughs> no okay uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, how she's dressed at the Halloween scene. I had no idea yeah. about this. Uh, she's dressed like uh, like uh, Richard Kelly. He showed the whole crew. Uh, before they started filming that he showed them Lolita to oh, really? inspire them, I guess. And Maggie Gyllenhaal's character is dressed up as a character from Lolita. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so we have to, I guess I don't really have any insight into that. We have to talk about Lolita on this podcast now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it. So Marcelo all on you. All right, what well, do you got to say about Lolita? I've never seen it. Uh, so back to you, Marcus. Uh, great, great. Oh, that, that, got out of that one. Scott, Scott clean. That Scott clean. Scott free. Uh, that, Scott that, clean. That reminds me of a, a moment in the commentary with Smith where Kelly goes, oh, uh, I found out halfway through the production that Jake Gyllenhaal was uh, mimicking me in his performance of Donnie Darko. Which, yeah, that was interesting, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess it didn't really connect the fact that this is modeled after Richard Kelly's life. Like, cause he grew up as a, mm-hmm. as a kid in the eighties and he put a lot of himself in the, in the screenplay. Well, not like to the yeah. T, like he doesn't have time traveling powers that we know of. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I, I found out, I found out that, uh, yeah, it's a personal movie for him. And I guess it makes sense that yeah. Hall is a smart enough actor to realize that. And he goes, Oh, I'm just playing the director and- at this point. And uh, more to that effect, uh, like Kelly in the commentaries, he reveals like specifically what stuff from the movie is like cribbed from his life, like uh, the the fear and love uh, line. Apparently, that was something he actually had to do yeah. in school. Yeah. Uh, he also says that Grandma Death was based on a real person. Oh, okay. That uh, she was just some woman in his town that she'd hang out in the middle of the road by the mailbox. And, uh, uh, she tells the story that I don't think he should have told, but, but he says that, uh, his brother actually stole her mailbox one time to get her to stop hanging out in the middle of the road. So that's a little Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal that was on that commentary and he sounded kind of upset about that fact. <laughs> Wait, J- um, Jake, Jake was upset with uh, Kelly bringing up this thing. Yes, with like, like, oh, that's, a, that's a fucked up thing to do. <laughs> um, Kelly should be arrested, is what you're saying. Yes, Donnie and Gretchen, they were originally supposed to go see Chud instead oh, of the yeah. Evil Dead. I, I, <laughs> but, uh, I wrote that note down too, yeah. But uh, they could not find out whoever owned the rights to Chud and couldn't get that like approved. So they called Sam Raimi, who I guess owns Evil Dead. I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. Oh yeah, some some filmmakers are uh, fortunate enough to own their own work. I could, yeah. I could see Raimi owning Evil Dead because it seemed like a very, I'm sure he financed it himself. Uh, Raimi yeah. did a lot of it anyway. But that's it. That's interesting that Chud was going to be the reference. Like, I don't I don't know. I, it, it makes complete sense to me that Evil Dead is. I can't imagine Chud being <laughs> yes on the marquee next to The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, Evil Dead worked better, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you mentioned him in the commentary or in in the hour commentary that we did. 
you mentioned the the fat guy in the woods. Uh, oh yeah, he shows up again at the end. That's right. He actually shows up two more times, and I had no idea. Yeah, the director's cut. In the in the theatrical cut as well. Oh, I, I actually didn't. Okay. Yeah. Tell me, uh, do, do, is is the mystery of him solved? Did, did, is there something in the bonus yes. features? Okay. All right. Get into it. Get get into the fat guy segment. He, he he is not just some guy out there. He is actually like spying on Donnie. He's one of like the FAA agents uh, from oh. the beginning and end of the movie. Um, and you can actually see him. He's dressed up like in a regular suit, but he's like his in the background of like the scenes where uh, where the after the hell after the airplane crashes into his house and they're taking it away. I did not know this. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. So that that's a mystery yeah. solved. We're we're solving a lot of mysteries on this episode. That's right. That's right. Oh oh, I like this. The 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 Patrick Swayze uh, tapes. Uh-huh. They were they were actually shot in Patrick Swayze's real home and he's wearing like his his own old eighties clothes. Huh. Um that uh like Richard Kelly is it's a really funny, like charming story that like his wife was like uh, Patrick Swayze's wife was like helping him pick out his old clothes and she was like, Oh, you should wear this and I don't know, it sounded really cute. That is cute. Um Yeah. I, I don't know. It's that's I've got probably some more stuff like that, but uh, nothing of substance anymore to say, <laughs> Priscilla. If you want to, want to take over? Um, yeah. Another another fact I found interesting um, is that on the commentary with uh, Kelly, Kevin Smith brings up the fact that Donnie Dargo at that point, uh, what what year? I keep forgetting. Two thousand five. Uh, Donnie Darko was on the IMDb top two fifty. At ninety-seven, at ninety-seven, uh, where? Do you know where it's at now? Uh, I know where it's at uh, currently. Okay. In the year twenty twenty-one, do you want to take a guess? I would say that it has cracked the top seventy-five. Oh, uh, give. Uh, I'm gonna say it's around like seventy. Give me a number. Okay, seventy. Uh, too high. Too high. You have a few more guesses. Okay. Come on. So has it, it has fallen from grace. It's no longer in the 90s. Yes, fallen from grace. Hmm. Okay, it's in the top 200 still. Can you give me that? Uh, give me a number. Give me a number. 180. Too high. Too high. Wow. Okay, 190. <laughs> Too high. 199. Too high. Okay, so you can just tell me, so I didn't have to do that. Okay, it's so it's it's between two hundred and two fifty. Then that's what it goes out to. Give me a number. Hmm. Two hundred exactly. You're tricking me. Too high. Ah, two twenty. <laughs> too high. <laughs> wow, two fifty. It's it's the last one. Too high. <laughs> it is no longer on oh. the IMDb two fifty. <laughs> oh, oh, gotcha. There wow, that's surprising. That's it's, surprising. It is surprising. I, I had to look it up, and uh, y- y- you will never guess what's at number 250. Um, but number 249 and 248 are, are hilarious. Um, so 250 is a movie called Swades from 2004. Not sure exactly what that okay. is. Uh, 249, no. The Help from 2011. <laughs> and 248, 
Neon Genesis Evangelion, The End of the Evangelion from 1997. All right. So, yeah. Well, the, I know somebody who liked that fact. I know, I know. Um, but, yeah, uh, no longer on the 250, which is surprising to me when I looked it up. Um, I mean, it, 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 on IMDb, and not uh, – this is only interesting because – people hold the two, the IMDb 250 list like as like you know uh, quantifying of excellence or uh, in quotes this is all quotes excellence and I was interested to see like where uh, it was going to be uh, in 2021 and I just find it interesting that it's still a high scoring movie it's like 8.0 on, on IMDb on IMDb um, and all of the ones uh, that I mentioned they're on the IMDb 250 at you know the bottom bottom slots they're also like 8.0 rating so it's not that like it's any less good according to people on imdb but uh, there's just been so many more movies marcus since then oh and, of course you know it's it's not What's gonna, number one it's like interstellar right number one let me scroll up came out. uh it's a movie that came out before Donnie darko oh T- take a guess yeah, think redemption correct Correct. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, got it. God. Okay. Yeah. Um. But hey, what what's another movie from two thousand one? I'm 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 gonna look up what the highest rated movie. The Space Odyssey. No, from from the from the year two thousand one. <laughs> um. Okay. Here. Two thousand ten. <laughs> okay. Like so in in the IMDb, uh, top two fifty in the top ten. There is one movie from 2001 that was released in 2001. Name that movie, Marcus. 2001. Yes, a film from 2001. In the top 10. Uh, man, I don't know. Um, you have to give me more of a hint. I'm not great with years. It's a fantasy movie. Fantasy. The Lord of the Rings... Whichever one came out that year. I need a full guess. I need a full guess. The Fellowship of the Ring. You are correct. Comes in at number 10. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Beat Uh, that, Donnie. uh, And there are five other 2001 movies. Uh, Spirited Away is at number 28. Um, Amalie is at 115. A Beautiful Mind is at 139. And Monsters, Inc., is at 233. So those are the 2001 films that are sure. not Donnie Darko that are on the list. Um, and Marcelo, would you personally say that they belong above Donnie Darko? <sighs> wait, wait, let me go back to, to what I just said. I think Spirited Away does. I don't think any of the others do. Uh... I don't... It could be above Monsters Inc. for me. Just Monsters Inc. Oh wow! The other ones are really good. I haven't seen a Beautiful Mind actually. Yeah, I haven't seen a Beautiful Mind. I mean, uh, it, it's not going to go over Amelie. Amelie is fantastic. It's not going to go Amelie's... over. Okay. Spirited Away. Spirited Away is eh, delightful. Uh, Lord of the Rings. That's a classic. Yeah, so I'd say it will only jump over Monsters Inc. for me. All right. That's my take. That's my hot take. Well, we're uh, we're different people here. Oh, Jesus! Um, Was there anything else? Have we covered all of Donnie Darko? Uh, how many How many more notes do you have, Marcus? 
Donnie Darko. He, uh, 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 more like Donnie Dorko. All right. right? Should we just end this now? (laughs) (laughs) Have we reached the end? So, so to, so to reiterate, according to, to the director's cut, all the mystery is, all the mysteries are solved. Okay. Uh, an artifact cut through time and space. We don't know exactly where the artifact came from. Uh, of course it came from a plane. It's a plane engine. But it's never made clear by Kelly. He does say uh, it comes out of nowhere, basically. But then later on in the commentary that I heard, he does say it comes from uh, Earth 2 plane with Mary McDonald uh, on it. Um, but hey, there's a there's a mysterious force from the, pa- from the future that alters the course of the past by uh, Im- uh, imprinting on the dead and the living. And pushing Donnie Darko towards a uh, a fate that will line up uh, two parallel universes into one, and thus saving the universe. So that is Donnie Darko. We solved it. We did it, Mar- Marcus. Did, yes. Did I miss anything? Um, no. Uh, you perfectly summed up the film. Uh, our great analysis of this film, I think, will serve us well as we try to analyze everything that we have coming up, Marcelo, such as every individual piece of Southland Tales <laughs> and uh, the box. We are, yeah, we're, we're slowly creeping towards Southland Tales. Now, before we, Domino. Before we get to, oh, you have to we, talk, we have to talk about Domino. Uh, Richard Kelly does mention Domino uh, in the commentary that I listened to, and he also mentions his script for Holes, in the commentary, yeah, which yeah, uh, I think we have to dive into that because apparently that is very much in tune to his style. He sets that Disney movie in a post-apocalyptic world, um, which uh, hey, I'll, I'll, uh, we should we should do the episode on that. Uh, but yeah, before we even get to Southland Tales itself, I think we have to do an episode on uh, the short, right? The comics. All leading up to Southland Tales, right? I think that's what we said. Okay. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is news to me. Okay. <sighs> Are you ready, Marcus? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready uh, to move on from Donnie Darko, <laughs> one. But two, to finally start talking about Southland Tales. Uh, I'm sure we both have a ton of thoughts about it. I don't want to say a single one of them now to spoil it. No, 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 but, no, no. The movie is interesting. R- rest assured. Um, I'll just say I'm glad we're doing this. Uh, that's all I'll say. I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah. And yeah, I think yep. I think we figured out how we're going to tackle it. Uh, we were threatening to do a minute by minute breakdown of the movie, but we've uh, shifted away from that, which is good. Uh, it's going to be something more manageable. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, that's it. That's the episode. Was uh, uh, did we really cover it? Was there anything else you wanted to? To talk about Marcus, was there any other tidbits? I, I guess I, you know, what? yeah, sure. I guess I never mentioned that I did watch the the Deus Ex Machina, the philosophy of Donnie Darko documentary that oh, was on the disc. Did that have any cool things in it? No. <laughs> All right, time to close the show. Like, right. <laughs> no, a lot of the facts that I've already brought up uh, and I talked about on the commentary, like at the time, I got them from like Wikipedia and other websites, and. Turns out they all just come from this documentary and these <laughs> commentaries. So it was hard for me to pick out stuff that I know I didn't talk about to, to talk about now. So anyway, I, I, I don't know. That documentary 
if you're interested in watching it, there's no need to. It's just kind of like if you're like, in like it's cool that we kind of have that historical record of the film. Uh, like they got to talk to people who made it uh, before they're all dead. Uh, like the, the most interesting part that I found was talking to Stephen Poster about like. I don't know what type of film stock they used and the lighting and stuff. Like I, 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 they get really in the weeds on that stuff that I think it's, it's, uh, it's not interesting, but it's like, it's good that we have that out there on historical record. Um, also I want to just James Duvall is the only actor from the movie who appeared in the documentary. So I just want to give him a special shout out for that. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, no, Marcel, I, I got nothing. I have nothing. All right. Yeah, that's a good place to end. We got nothing. <laughs> nothing else. Yeah. I went through my just notes. Cut that out, please. No, I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> Everything I just said. I'm going to put it out. Uh, I'm going to put it up at the front of the episode. Uh, that, that'll be the first it, thing. It, it'd hear. make more sense there. So that's fine. <laughs> um, oh, I also wrote down here. Maybe Donnie Darko dropped the engine. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Richard Kelly, Richard <laughs> Kelly says that on the commentary. Like what? Does he? I don't. I never caught that. Well, uh, uh, at the end of the commentary with Smith, uh, Smith just asks some questions that were posted on Kevin Smith's website. Yeah, and uh, that is brought up. Um, all right, because I, I just read that again just now. Look at my notes. I go, what the fuck does that mean? Anyway, we have no time to discuss that. So maybe Donnie no. Darko, maybe his superpowers. Um, it's a it's a paradox. Like uh, because he had the superpowers, the the uh, jet engine fell on him, uh, and uh, there's no way of stopping that. And on that note, good good talk, Marcus. Glad we uh, uh, we solved Donnie Darko. We solved yes. it. There's nothing else to talk about. Yes. Uh, and now yes, we're we put all the pieces together. Exactly. Uh, we are um, we're about to travel through the wormhole. Yet again, we're going into another dimension, another dimension, yep, another dimension, uh, to Southland Tales. So yes, next episode, we're going to start Southland Tales. And until then, Marcus, what's the catchphrase? <laughs> I'm not this again. We did this on the other show. We don't have to do this again. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh <laughs> Uh, so... Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna stop recording. <laughs>